0: Welcome to the Your Life, Your Health podcast, sponsored by the Central Neighborhood Health Foundation. CNHF focuses on topics to help you live a healthier life and to build healthier communities. Thank you for tuning in. I'm your host, Dominic Joseph. It's a great honor to be here with a certified internal medicine physician that's been here in the medical field for 50 years. Prostate cancer is near and dear to his heart. He's here today to shed some light on some common and uncommon questions about prostate cancer. Please welcome. Dr. Merrill, Sounds right. how are you, doctor?
1: I'm glad to be here, glad to be here.
0: Glad to have you, doctor. Yeah, so let's just get right into it. Um, there's a couple questions that we have lined up for you. So what is prostate cancer, um, and what are some of the risk factors of developing prostate cancer?
1: Well, prostate cancer is a malignancy originating in the prostate. The prostate is a gland, a gland about the shape of a walnut, Uh, Located at the base of the bladder in men, at the bladder outlet in men only. Um, You want to know what the risks are for for having prostate cancer? There are basically four risks. First is age. Uh, If you're under the age of 40, Mm. you probably are at almost zero risk, but it goes up about 2% or more per year once you get over the age of 40. Wow. The second risk, unfortunately, is ethnicity. By that we mean if you're black or African-American, you have have a higher risk for developing prostate cancer than if you're white or Caucasian or Asian or Hispanic. Mm. Uh, family history is the third risk. Okay. If you have a family member with cancer or prostate cancer especially, you have twice the chance of it happening to you. Wow. The third, fourth risk is genetics. Mm. The field of genetics has exploded over the past uh, 10 or 15 years. By that, we mean these days we can actually measure the, some of the cancer genes, like Baraka right. 1 or the Lynch syndrome. Mm-hmm. So uh, if, you, if someone in your family a close relative has the cancer gene, that makes you more likely to get prostate cancer and vice versa. Mm. So if if you or a family member has prostate cancer uh, and if, you, if it's a very aggressive cancer, we recommend that the person with the cancer also get genetic testing.
0: Mm. Wow, that's that's super insightful. See, I didn't, I didn't know that risk factor uh, when it came to forty, right? And then every year after that, you're saying it, it doubles in percentage.
1: It definitely increases exponentially, mm. beginning at the age of forty, right? Unfortunately,
0: wow. And then if you have a uh, a family member who has prostate cancer, then you're twice likely to get it.
1: Correct, if you're a man.
0: Wow, that is incredible. Uh, what are some of the symptoms of uh, prostate cancer, and how is it diagnosed? Well,
1: that's an important thing to understand. Prostate cancer, like almost all cancers, has no symptoms early on. If You could be walking around with prostate cancer, just as with almost any other cancer, and have no symptoms whatsoever. it's scary. Now, now. Men do get symptoms from their prostate, hmm. but the symptoms from the prostate is, is from enlargement of the prostate, okay. not from cancer of the prostate. Wow. That's a distinction. Uh, almost all men over the age of 40 will get prostate symptoms hmm. from enlargement of the prostate, but, but that's a separate uh, issue from cancer itself.
0: Okay, so how is it how do they really diagnose the prostate cancer?
1: Well, the the diagnosis is suggested by a blood test called a PSA. Okay. Which is extremely accurate. It's about 99% accurate. So that's a simple blood test. P as in Paul, or P as in prostate, I should say, SA.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh the PSA is not proof of cancer. The PSA is suggestive that you might have a cancer, and, it, and at that point it needs to be checked. Mm. The only way to prove if you have the cancer is to do an actual biopsy.
0: Mm. Okay, okay, yeah, so that makes sense. So it's it's more of a hidden, hidden uh, disease until...
1: Almost all cancers are asymptomatic. Wow! So no early, symptoms early on. Okay. By the time you get symptoms, mm-hmm. the cancer has already spread.
0: Wow. Okay. So there's and, there's
1: and, and, and the symptoms of the spread of prostate cancers uh, often is back pain or bone pain.
0: Wow. Okay. So there's there's obviously like stages to the cancer, right? Like in in, in breast cancer or um, different cancers, there's, a, there's like a final stage to it. So when it comes to prostate cancer, um, what are the different stages of prostate cancer?
1: Well, prostate cancer is staged, just like breast cancer or other cancers. Yeah. And there is a so-called staging system. Uh, t- the technical terms have to do with something called Gleason score mm-hmm. or the TNM uh, system. But the main thing for the audience to know is that early on, mm-hmm. it can be curable, and even later, it can be treatable. Right. Th- those are the important concepts.
0: Right. Yeah. That's a that's a big takeaway. Um, so, what are some common uh, treatments for those for those situations?
1: Well, you can sort of say that there's five types of treatments. Surgery,
0: mm-hmm.
1: radiation. And then later if it's a more malignant or has spread, hormonal treatment, chemotherapy, and even cryotherapy.
0: Cryotherapy? cryotherapy so is... So like freezing freezing helps with that treat in that treatment. Well,
1: when we say cryotherapy, we mean a probe. Probe. Oh, wow, wow. Inserted by a specialist. Wow. We, okay. don't, we, don't, we, we don't mean uh, yeah. just sticking an ice cube up your, up your rectum.
0: Right, right. Okay, that makes sense. Um. So what are some common, you know, misconceptions then as far as prostate cancer?
1: Well, you know, from my point of view, yeah. the misconceptions about prostate cancer, like a lot of, Things fall into two categories. The first misconception is that it's not deadly. Mm. Prostate cancer can be deadly. Mm. That's an easy to easy uh, situation to be misunderstood because, yeah. on the other hand,
0: it can I mean, be treated. Well, but well,
1: well, on the other hand, it, it's actually a proven fact that some men can live for ten years without being treated with cancers. They can actually have the cancer and survive over a 10-year period uh, just as well as people who are treated. But the problem with that statistical analysis is that you're looking at the large population of people, some of whom actually do well over a 10-year period and some do not do well over a 10-year period. The problem is you don't know ahead of time which which, which, which group you're going to fall right.
0: into. Yeah, exactly. It's taking a big risk, right?
1: Uh, well, I hate to put it like this, but it's like some people can drive a car without their seatbelt for a long time and nothing will happen to them.
0: Right. That's a very good analogy.
1: But that doesn't mean you're going to fall into that category. Right,
0: yeah. <laughs> that is an incredible analogy. Um, yeah, you could ride without your seatbelt for years, for 10 years, but then that one day when you get into an accident, you can fly right through the windshield and never recover. Yeah, that's... So,
1: so It it's, to some extent, we've tried to predict which of these prostate cancers are more aggressive than others based on... So called Gleason scores or other things mm-hmm. but in fact, there's no hundred percent guarantee that if you get a prostate cancer you're, you're going to do well without being treated okay um, the other uh, part of misconception as far as the cancers are concerned as as treatment of prostate cancer has to do with the treatment itself uh, most people, understandably, are frightened of treatment. Uh, almost any surgery or procedure has risks of three basic things, which is pain, pain, right infection, yep, or bleeding. yep. So those are risks. <coughs> okay. Sorry. But the other uh, conceptions and possibly misconception. Is that all people who who get treated will have some of the bad side effects of incontinence or erectile dysfunction or other situations? As it turns out, erectile dysfunction and even incontinence is probably present (laughs) in about half of people who get treated. But why is that? Because the surgery and even the radiation,
0: yeah, for the treatment, w-
1: will affect the nerve that goes to to the sex organs. Okay, and if the nerve is damaged, it's harder for um, uh, men to have normal recovery, uh, you know, erectile function, but. We live in the modern age of Viagra. <laughs> what, what a lot of people don't know is that right. besides the modern age of Viagra, right. the Viagra-like substance is available not just in pill form but in injectable form uh-huh. and in other forms. Right. So erectile dysfunction can be aggressively treated in most men. Yeah. If they're willing to, if they are willing to go in that direction. Right. And there and there are new treatments and medications even for treating urinary incontinence.
0: Yeah, that was going to be my next question or like what are some of the latest advancements um, in treatment for prostate cancer? Like what are some of the new research that's been found or
1: there there's new medications. New
0: medications, right.
1: Uh, almost every year it seems. In my last count there's about 15 different drugs that are available for treatment including so-called hormonal treatment which are the androgen deprivation uh, medications. Mm -hmm. There are several chemotherapy medications. Uh, There are um, other medications uh, which aggressively treat prostate cancer when it's in an advanced stage. So there are new, newer medicines. I won't bore you with the no. technical terms.
0: No, yeah. um, but there's, there's new medicines that are coming out every year. Um, no, every 18 months, let's say. Every 18 months. Okay, yeah, so they're, they're continually to work on them. Here, let's see. We have some medications here that I cannot pronounce. I won't try to butcher them. But uh, Dr. Merrill has given me a um, copy of some recent discoveries and new medications that are uh, for prostate cancer treatment. And yeah, they're about eighteen months apart. And also, um, another another question I had for you was, how can we take some positive steps? With our men, our old and young men, to reduce the um, reduce the development of prostate cancer. What are some things that we can do in our daily lives to try to prevent prostate cancer from occurring? Even if we have, uh, you know, people in our family that has prostate cancer, if it's in our genetics and our genes, what are some things or some steps we can take to try to get these? Uh, things under control before we actually develop the prostate cancer.
1: Well, surveillance has to be at the top of the list. Surveillance means having the wisdom to go and see your doctor. Right. But also going to see your doctor and asking to be tested. Mm -hmm. I I have to tell you that um, in many clinics... And in uh, many situations, men are not being tested unless they actually ask to be tested. Right. And
0: there's a fear there to want to ask and get tested. And why do you think that is?
1: Uh, There's really uh, two or three categories. One is just being afraid that you'll be because <laughs> you
0: have it. Right. Don't tell me and, I have it, doc. Please. Yeah, yes. and, and, and,
1: and, and, and so fear. Fear is one. And, and that's a cultural uh, quality that has to be overcome, and right. we have to uh, gradually teach people not to be afraid. Afraid. Um Right. If, PN denial is a um, is a big issue. Uh, feeling that this can never happen to me. To me.
0: Yeah. Right. So uh, I don't need to get tested. Will ne- this will
1: never happen to me. Right. Uh, it's never happened in my family. Mm-hmm. It just won't happen to me. Or it has happened in my family, and I just don't want to know about it. Right. So uh, surveillance, meaning coming in and actually asking to be tested, uh, is, has to be at the top of the list of things that we can do to help. Now, testing has changed over a generation. Forty years ago, testing basically meant a rectal exam. And, and I hate to say it, but men really just didn't want that.
0: Right. And that's the finger.
1: Correct. Right. So uh, it's... Uh, it is true that men basically had no problem with having their women come in and get a pelvic, but have it done on them. They were very much against it.
0: Right. And but, that has to do with the machismo or just,
1: well, I'm not definitely. letting
0: any men put anything anywhere on me, right? so
1: It is a cultural reality yeah. that many men simply will refuse a rectal, even if you suggest it, even if it's wow. for their own good. However, I will say this, is that just as most things in society have advanced, these days uh, the PSA blood test is mm-hmm. probably more accurate than a rectal exam. So, wow,
0: that's good to know.
1: Because the PSA, <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> no, that's very true, because the PSA is about 99% accurate. And But besides that, these days we have... Genetic testing. Not everybody should get genetic testing. Mm -hmm. Genetic testing is different from a PSA.
0: Explain genetic testing.
1: It's basically being being tested for the gene for a cancer gene itself, which is which is something like the BRCA one gene or other genes. Uh, That's different from a PSA test. Got it. It's a more specialized uh, test, and and it's usually only done by a specialist. But it should be done uh, if there is a family history of cancer. Mm. Um, so the answer to your question is what can we do to
0: reduce the risk re- of developing re- re- it?
1: Or reduce the chance that you're going to have it. Uh, finding out if you are at risk by being tested is a, is probably the best first step. Okay. Now, I, I, I will say one more thing uh, since we're on the subject. <laughs> I know that some uh, young men have gone to gymnasiums and have used uh, um, enhancing drugs okay. uh, s- s- to bulk themselves up like... Uh, the Roids. You're talking about the Roids. The roids. <laughs> or, uh, or testosterone.
0: Oh, okay. You mean like pre-workout? Uh, yeah, male, male,
1: male hormone.
0: Male hormone, okay.
1: Now, male hormone is a wonderful thing, but it should be used by specialists for men who need it. Mm. But it really should not be used by young men who are going to one of the local gyms to, okay. bulk, to bulk up.
0: Wow, that's a great point. So, yeah, there's probably tons of young, young men out here, right? That go to the gym. They're just like, hey, I'm going to go get jacked up this weekend and I'm going to make my protein shake and my testosterone pills and pizza, whatever. That's and then that's another
1: that, cultural issue that should be addressed.
0: Central Neighborhood Health Foundation is a faith-based, federally qualified health center with eight clinics and three mobile clinics throughout L.A., Riverside, and San Bernardino counties. We offer primary care health services including COVID and HIV testing, dental care, diabetes management, vaccines, behavioral health, and substance use disorder services, as well as housing navigation and food pantries. For more information, visit us at cnhfclinics.com. Dot .org today or reach us by telephone at 323-234-5000 that's 323 234
1: Central Neighborhood
0: Health Foundation es una clínica médica basada en el Ministerio de Jesucristo. Fundados por el gobierno con ocho clínicas y tres clínicas móviles en los condados de Los Ángeles, Riverside y San Bernardino. Ofrecemos servicios de salud primaria, pruebas de COVID, atención dental, control de la diabetes, vacunas, servicios de salud mental, ayuda con abuso de alcohol o drogas, exámenes del VIH, asistencia de vivienda y despensa de alimentos. Para obtener más información, llámenos al 323-234-5000 o visite nuestro sitio de internet cnhfclinics.org.
1: It's okay. Was <laughs> like, oh, oh no! I know what I was going to say was that um, uh, I I do pick up a new I do I do diagnose a new prostate cancer once or twice a year in in the clinics I've worked at. So prostate cancer, how how um, common is it? Well, I see at least one or two new cases a year. That is like one every 6, one new case every 6 months roughly. Okay. But only if because I aggressively screen for it.
0: Right. You you make sure to let the patient know that it's it's important to get this procedure done. Correct. Okay. Right. Okay. What would you say is the percentage of young people that you see because you said it doesn't really happen to a 40 but has there been any cases where someone under that's been under the age of 40 that's gotten no there, gotten-
1: been, no, there that, that's an important uh thing to understand is that there have been cancers uh not just of prostate but even of breast cancers uh sadly under the age of 40 mm-hmm. although it's rare but again uh genetic testing i think is a major leap forward in helping to know if you're at risk, even under the age of forty,
0: right? Um, how are what are some common challenges faced by uh, prostate cancer survivors? <laughs> um, well,
1: I know you had asked about the emotional uh, yeah. impact,
0: right, and the physical impact. Well, of, yeah,
1: the the um, any cancer as well as any chronic illness, is going to be an emotional burden to bear for not just the patient, but their family. Mm -hmm. But it's also true that every uh, person is different in how they handle it. Some people handle uh, the stress of of a uh, medical illness remarkably well. And some people go to pieces uh, over... uh, the the situation and it's understandable so uh, a referral to a counselor would be indicated right and a referral to a support group would be indicated would be a good idea okay
0: uh and then how should family members support other family members what would you say is the best support system uh, for dealing with someone that has prostate cancer?
1: Basically, you just have to aggressively let family members know that you're there for them and and that you uh, will always be there for, for whatever their needs are. Uh, you don't have to... Uh,
0: sure. I'd be happy to help. Oops. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Sorry about my bad. Okay, okay go ahead.
1: <laughs> so, being available uh-huh. in in our inner city community, uh, there's a lot of need for family support. Yeah. I'll give you, let me just give you simple examples. In. The inner-city community, many of these folks simply don't have transportation to get to the doctor or get to a clinic. Mm -hmm. Uh, Fortunately, we live in the age of Uber, and that helps. Right. But many of our inner-city patients have transportation issues. They have financial issues. uh, They have nutrition issues. They have housing issues. Yes, homeless and all, or even uh, if not totally homeless, uh, borderline homelessness. Right, at a, risk a, of homelessness. Yeah, being at risk, or or living in a in a home with ten people living in a two bedroom. Right. So, a medical illness obviously impacts all that.
0: Hmm. Now, and it's not rare, right? It's very common, Um especially in the inner cities and um the this the population that experiences a little bit more poverty. I'm sure it's more common in those well, areas. Right we're
1: here in Los Angeles, and I'll give you an. I hate to put it like this, but let me just give you an example. Okay. Drive through a non inner city neighborhood, like let's take a couple examples, Santa Monica. Uh huh. Or Glendale. Right. Let's take Santa Monica and drive along Santa Monica Boulevard. Count the number of doctor's offices or medical clinics or hospitals. How many do you think you would see if you drove along Wilshire or Santa Monica Boulevard in Santa Monica from the ocean all the way? Pick a number.
0: Me? Uh, I'd say it's about...
1: In Santa Monica. In
0: Santa Monica, it's probably maybe... You'll it's going to be less. There's
1: probably about 500 doctors. Right. It's going to be a
0: little less than L.A. Well, Maybe a lot well, less, right?
1: Okay. Let's take South Central Los Angeles. Let's take Vermont Boulevard, which is— How many right counties when, do we see? Well, Vermont runs right through the middle of South Central Los Angeles. Right. So let's take Vermont starting at the 105 freeway, driving north um, to, um, oh, for about five or ten miles— Right. How many doctor clinics will, or doctors' offices will you see?
0: You probably see about well. There's one. Yeah. Yeah. Probably one and or two. None
1: of that one has been closed, by the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, 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 it's gonna be so, the last so, so, so you're talking about zero to one clinic in South Central,
0: mm-hmm.
1: as opposed to 500 in Santa Monica. Wow! But you don't have to take my word for it. You can do this exercise yourself,
0: right? Just drive down Vermont and count, s- count how many clinics you see. Wow, that's crazy because you you would you would think that there would be less uh, clinics in Santa Monica because there would probably be more. You know, um,
1: like I'll give you another uh, exercise. But that's, well, that's I'll give you another. E- nice I'll give you another exercise if someone is interested about it. And, Go into the Hubert Humphrey Clinic at 58th and um, Maine, and count the number... 8 o'clock in the morning, let's just say. Right. Or 7 o'clock in the morning. Count the number of people standing in line to get in. Wow. Then go to Santa Monica, St. John's Hospital, and count the number of people...
0: Outside, waiting.
1: There. And you'll see that there's hundreds of people... Trying to get into uh, Hubert Humphrey
0: South Central, right?
1: Uh, which is the only clinic for miles around, right? Fifty
0: Eighth in Maine,
1: right? And then you go and to you go to an upscale place, and it's a totally different uh, Saint John uh, atmosphere. atmosphere. Wow! But it's also totally different healthcare.
0: Yeah, it is. I, I believe, but why do you think that is? Why do you think that there's there's different healthcare? Um, pra- now, I, want to say, I don't want to say practices but why do you think that the service of the healthcare industry changes depending on the region or where it is
1: that's a subject of a two hour
0: seminar <laughs> 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 tune in next week <laughs> that's yeah that's, that's, a, that's a heavy one right So earlier you were mentioning you were mentioning some ways to either eradicate the problem of prostate cancer or get rid of it, and you mentioned radiation therapy.
1: Well, we Uh, mentioned the types of therapies. There's surgery, right, which can be curative if it's caught early. Okay, which surgery basically means removing the prostate or removing the cancer part of the prostate. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: There's radiation which also is, can be curative if, if it's caught early, mm-hmm. which basically means using radiation to kill the cancer in the prostate.
0: How does that work with the radiation therapy? I'm just intrigued about well
1: how they're yeah. using
0: radiation to... I've always been intrigued about how they're using radiation to get rid of cancer, eliminate cancer. Can you kind of talk about that process and how that works?
1: Well... Uh, Radiation will kill cells, and it'll kill more aggressively more aggressively cells that are more rapidly uh, multiplying, which are the cancer cells. But also, the uh, scientists have been able to use the radiation in a way to target where the cancer is. Mm. So they're able to direct the radiation uh, directly at the cancer and avoid damaging the surrounding tissues. Mm -hmm. So you could think of it like in Star Wars when you see these guys with their lightsabers. Pew,
0: pew, pew. Right. Right.
1: So when you ask how does it work, well... Think of it like a Star Wars uh lightsaber. Lightsaber, that's what it's called. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Except <Okay>. it's better. <laughs> okay. I get it. I get it. <laughs> so um what advice would you give advice or what sorry, what advice would you give to people that are newly diagnosed with prostate cancer and how can they stay informed? and empower throughout the journey of trying to actually get through uh, having prostate cancer.
1: Almost any good specialist will lead you in the right direction. Hmm. Uh, The the name of the specialty is urology. U-R-O. Urology. Urology. Any Any good urologist will lead you in the right direction and give you good advice about Your options: whether you should have radiation, whether you should have surgery, whether you should have further testing. Right. Also, any good urologist will have written material in their office, and also be able to refer you to support groups. Hmm. Now, I am not against patients doing research on their own. On the Internet. Uh, Patients would always come in, even before the Internet was invented, and say to me, well, I heard this from my Aunt Martha. Right. And my answer was, my Aunt Martha is a saint, but she's not a scientist. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, right. So be careful who your source is.
0: Right. There's a lot of misguidance out there. So we should be careful of where we're getting that information from.
1: Any good um, urologist will give you good advice. And I always tell patients there's nothing wrong with a second opinion.
0: Mm. So um, we talked about radiation therapy. We talked about uh, cryotherapy. Uh, Can you touch a little bit on the hormonal therapy of the prostate cancer?
1: Hormonal therapy... Uh, it means uh, androgen deprivation treatment, which means giving patients medication to block the androgens, which are the testosterone-type chemicals in the body that uh, encourages the cancer to proliferate. Uh, there are different types of, of antiandrogen. Medications. There's a long list. I can provide you with that. I already showed you that list, and, and I know it's a long list of th- things that are hard to pronounce.
0: Yes. So some of them on here. Let's see what we have.
1: Well, I can read off the names. To yeah. You, but uh, please, please do. Well, luprolide, um, bicalutamide, flutamide. And there are several others: abiraterone, mm. enz- enzalutamide, right, and apalutamide. Now, th- these uh, these are good medicines that you don't need to use at all if you catch the disease early mm-hmm. and cure it. And cure it th- through removing the cancer th- surgically or through radiation.
0: Wow. Um, what is a success story that you have to share when it comes to prostate cancer and maybe one of your patients? I mean, you don't have to give any names or anything like that, but what was kind of like, is there any success stories that you've heard um, or experienced?
1: We, we see new cases every year. and Like I said, roughly one every six months just – myself personally. Yeah. And simply being able to make the diagnosis and save a life is 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 a great success. Right. Um, the uh we have a long list of people whom we've treated and saved from this as well as other cancers.
0: Mhm. Amen to that, huh? <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's such a great honor to be here with you again. I just want to say thank you again for well, coming well, this in. this is
1: fun, and I hope that uh, the people who listen to you uh, will, will call you or email you with questions and that we can reach out to them and answer their questions and give them encouragement and tell them the message. Number one is don't be afraid. Right. The doctor's not going to hurt you. <laughs> and uh, the newer medicines and treatments can allow you to have normal sex and to avoid um, urinary erectile. Inco- erectile dysfunction and yeah. avoid uh, urinary incontinence and to have a normal life and live a long life. If, if you take early action, if you are afraid... And if you wait, uh, you may wait too late.
0: Right. Thank you for tuning in to Your Life, Your Health. Please join us every Friday between 3 to 4 p.m. And be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you have health questions you'd like to address on Your Life, Your Health, please email us at your life, your health Podcast at gmail.com. Again, visit the Central Neighborhood Health Foundation website at cnhfclinics.org for more information about our free services and calendar of events. Have a wonderful day, everybody. like to leave you with these life-giving words to help you along your journey today our daily scripture is john chapter 14 verse 27 peace i leave with you my peace i give you i do not give to you as the world gives do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid that is john chapter 14 verse 27 have a blessed day everyone and thanks again for tuning into your life your health podcast